Good evening, everyone, and welcome to what is going to be a, a little bit of a one-off for us here at The Breakdown, because we are getting specifically into the question of what's been going on with the contract negotiations for teachers in the province of Alberta, because it's all coming to head in the next couple of days, and unfortunately, it's not terribly well understood. Um, to be to be quite frank, our understanding of it here isn't anywhere near 100%, but we had a bunch of people reach out to us and kind of ask some questions, and we've done our best to put together some of the answers, because at the end of the day, there's some really important components that seem to be uh, kind of falling through the cracks. And as well, depending on the, what the results of the vote are, there's certainly a lot of potential for uh, teachers to be painted in a light that isn't let's go with not necessarily terribly fair. So that's some of the things that we're going to try to to cover off in this sort of emergency mini episode tonight. So to start with, let's get some basic stuff out of the way. As it stands right now, teachers haven't had a contract since 2020. Now in that time period, there have been three rounds of negotiations um, and none of them have gotten to a place where all of the people who are involved with those negotiations, there's two main parties. There's the central table bargaining committee. They represent the teachers. And there's the teachers employer bargaining association, which represents the employers. And we're going to talk a little bit about what those groups are, who they're made up of in a bit. But for right now, here's the the, the important part. So no contract since no contracts since 2020 um, and the three rounds of negotiations. Now, the big sticking point, one of the biggest sticking points in these negotiations has to do with the idea of the learning conditions for students that exist in classrooms right now. A big piece of that has to do with classroom sizes. Now, the, this has been such a big sticking point that it has actually gone to a mediator. And one of the things that a lot of people are very surprised by, and I imagine there's a lot of teachers that are quite disappointed by, is that while the teachers are trying to advocate for learning conditions that are going to make sure that kids are able to get the best possible learning outcomes that they can, the difference between the teacher's position and what the, we'll say the government, um, because ultimately they're the ones who are negotiating through the Teachers Employer, uh, Employer Bargaining Association, um, what they're wanting, what the employers are wanting, that the space between those two is so big that the mediator actually came out and said, you know what, the difference of positions is so enormous that there's no way we're going to, that we'll be able to find common ground on it. So we're not going to include it in the mediation results. And so what the teachers have been offered are some very small wage increases, but those wage increases need to be taken in context. So if we're getting this right, and again, we've, we've put all this together in a bit of a rush. We're trying to be as accurate as we can. Um, but if there's anybody who has any, any, Correction for what we're presenting, please let us know. That's one of the joy of these live spaces things. So right now, the contract that teachers will be voting on in the next couple of days, because teachers vote between June 5th to the 8th, 
the 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 big increases aren't big increases at all. So the first increase is for 2022, and it's 0.5% increase that's not retroactive. Now, if you look at your calendar right now, you'll realize we're only talking about three or four weeks. So it's not a significant uh, it's not a significant bump for anyone. The next increase would come in September, and that would be a 1.25% increase starting in September. And then in 2023, they would get another 2%. So they aren't cutbacks, which is good because the, the last time the teachers uh, received a raise was almost a decade ago. And we are provided some information. And this really underscores just how small this raise actually is in comparison to what teachers uh, get compared to most other places. So the purchasing power of a teacher in 2010, so we're talking about the purchasing power of a teacher inside of the economy, the, the teacher's ability to contribute to the economy in 2010, in order to get it to the same level today, teachers would have to get about a 25% increase in their pay. Now, obviously, given all of the things that are going on in the province, that's not going to happen. But it puts into perspective the fact that because of all of the increases in cost of living, because of all of the increases of inflation and all of those sorts of things that we hear so much, you need to only try to fill up your, your car to see the increase of prices at the pump. Because of all of that, the total 3.75% the teachers are being offered over the next few years really isn't that big of a deal. It's not that substantive of an amount. And that's an important part to, to that we really want to emphasize because teachers are being presented with a very challenging choice coming into this vote from everything that we've been able to tell coming into this vote over the next couple of days. Okay. So the big thing is the raise isn't that big of a raise and comparative to what's been going on in the economy, it doesn't catch them up to where they were comparative to 2010. Now, what is happening on the 5th to the 8th with the results coming in on the 9th is teachers are going to be able to vote whether or not they want to accept the proposal that the mediator has put forward. Depending on whether or not that proposal is accepted, there's then a cool-off period and that's where teachers potentially would decide on whether or not to vote to strike and what kind of strike that might be. Because it's really important to realize that there's different types of strike options that are available. There's things like work to rule, where all of the extra things that teachers do. And let's be clear, there's a lot where all of the extra things that teachers do, they wouldn't do because they don't get paid to do them. They do them because they love their jobs. They do them because they want kids to have the best possible education and the best possible experience in the education system that they can possibly provide. So work to rule would be an elimination of the things that they're not paid for. You could also see rotating strikes throughout the province or potentially what some people might call the worst case scenario. You could see a full provincial strike. Now, it gets tricky because we're almost done the school year. 
Now, there's a lot of people who look at the the summer vacation and the fact that teachers get the summer off, and I'm air quoting the hell out of this right now because it's not actually accurate. What actually happens for teachers is they get paid a yearly amount. And they get paid for 10 months of work. But in order to have stability through the, 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 the summer months, instead of getting their overall yearly salary paid to them in just those 10 months and then making sure that they plan really well for the summer months, they get their whole yearly salary spread out across the year. So it's a real misnomer. And it's a really false thing to say that teachers don't or get paid to not work during the summer because that's not what happens at all. They're just spacing their pay periods out to cover the times where they're not working because of how the school year is structured. But we're coming into two months of summer vacation where a strike probably wouldn't have a tremendous amount of impact. Now, there have been some people who have said to us that it could have some not insignificant impact because there's this whole new curriculum that's being rolled out right away. And depending on the type of strike, it could impact how well that curriculum is rolled out. But again, and this is a theme that we're going to be talking about a lot tonight, ultimately that puts teachers in the position of having to decide what they're going to allow to be inflicted on kids because the employer refuses to make learning conditions part of the contract. And that's a real terrible choice for teachers to have to make. Nobody should should envy them for that. Let's get into a little bit about who are the bodies that are doing all of the, the negotiating. So first, we talked a little bit earlier about the Central Table Bargaining Committee. That's the, the employees and the Alberta Teachers Association. That's, that's the team teacher, if you will. On the other side of the table, you have the Teachers Employer Bargaining Association. And that's made up of 61 school board trustees from 61 districts. Uh, and they will vote on the proposed contract from the mediator after teachers vote, which is a bit of a, some people might say, an un unfair advantage. With them as well, there are two directors who are appointed by the minister. There are two directors who are trustees. The chair and the vice chair are picked by the minister. And the vice chair is a trustee. Now, all of those people are supposed to be acting in the best interests of the employer. So again, there's a little bit of problematic area. I can't even call it a gray area. We'll call it a problematic area where what are those obligations? What are those responsibilities? And why is no part of this conversation? Why is no part of this contract, despite the fact that teachers have tried for three rounds of negotiations to say, look, we have to do something about classroom sizes. We have to do something about these learning conditions. The mediator has said that because of the difference of positions, that won't be included in part of the, the contract. So here's where the real problem comes in. First of all, if teachers vote yes for the contract that's been brought forward by the mediator, then what's going to end up happening is a lot of teachers are going to feel like that they're choosing this very, very small wage increase. Very small wage increase over 
protecting the learning environments of kids, protecting class sizes. And it's important to take in context with this as well, that one of the things that we've seen under the current provincial government is that they largely disassembled the mechanisms by which province-wide class sizes can be tracked. There used to be a system where you could tell how big all of the class sizes were. The provincial government changed those rules. So now it's much harder to know across the province what our class sizes look like, looking like. And we have seen multiple reports prior to COVID where there were students who were crammed into schools, especially in the major municipalities like Calgary and Edmonton, so much so that classes couldn't even be held in classrooms. They were being held in hallways. They were being held in learning annexes or cafeterias because there was no other space available. So the class size piece, how important that is, really can't be understated. But if teachers vote yes for the contract that they're being presented, they're being forced to find other ways to have those conversations. Now, on the flip side, if teachers vote no, if teachers look at this proposal and they say, you know what? The, the, the very small 3.75% wage increase, it's a nice token gesture. And we're told there's some other things in this contract, the proposed contract as well, that has some benefits for some areas in some parts of the province. But if they choose to say no to that in order to try to move the needle on classroom sizes and move the needle on learning conditions for kids who are going to have to navigate a new curriculum. And we're going to talk about that curriculum in a second. But if they say no, they're putting themselves in a position where depending on the outcomes of a strike vote and depending on how the employer decides to react, especially for families where teachers are the sole breadwinner, they could be putting their families at risk. They could be putting their ability to, to make ends meet at risk because if this situation escalates because they're trying to protect Albertans' kids, things can go really, really sideways for them and their families very quickly, especially when you take into context that despite the fact that the provincial government has been taking victory laps around the improvements of our uh, unemployment rate, Alberta's unemployment is still terrible. There are still lots of people who haven't recovered from the economic downturn in the oil patch, and there's still lots of people who haven't recovered from the economic impacts of COVID. There's a lot of families that rely on teachers as the sole or predominant breadwinner. And I don't envy anyone who has to choose between securing their job and accepting a meager, I'll say, raise or not and trying to advocate for better learning environments for kids. That is a terrible terrible choice and it gets even more important because of the fact that starting in september we are going to see segments of the curriculum the ucp's curriculum being rolled out across the province there are some few and far between things good about the new curriculum 
But one of the things that the curriculum has been universally criticized for is the fact that it tries to fit every kid into a one size fits all box. And all kids are going to kind of sort of learn the same. And they're not necessarily going to get any supports to help them get through this new curriculum, which is in and of itself by many educational experts been derided as being bad, not just factually incorrect in some places, but bad. It's not built so that kids can learn. It's built for entirely other reasons. And so without any kind of component in this uh, contract to address the learning conditions in classrooms, that's putting kids and teachers who are going to be trying to teach those kids this new curriculum in a really, really tough place. Now, here's what the big concern is from a from a from a spin perspective, from a PR perspective. Here's what the two most likely options are. On one hand, we're going to see the teachers choose to accept the contract that the mediator has brought forward. Theoretically, the. The Teachers Employer Bargaining Association, or TEBA, would also choose to accept that contract if teachers did. So then teachers get their small, paltry ways that doesn't allow them to contribute to the economy in the same way they did in 2010. And teachers have to figure out how to navigate an education system that by many people's account has been crumbling for years because it has been so under-resourced in so many areas of the province, all while trying to roll out this new curriculum that by many accounts is just a dog's breakfast. That's one choice for the teachers. On the other hand, if the teachers vote not to accept this new contract, then the government and the employers all get to turn around and say, hey, you know what? At a time when we're seeing public sector workers, you, you take a look at some of the proposals that we saw through the public in regards to healthcare workers, where they were talking about significant rollbacks in what those employees were going to get. The government can then turn around and say, hey, we offer teachers a raise, and they chose not to accept the raise at the same time as all these other healthcare workers, they're they're taking a, a, a they're taking one for the team. Why can't teachers be part of the team? It's very very easy for it to be spun that way, and especially given the fact that there's so many people in the public who don't understand that teachers don't actually just get paid for taking the summer off. They're just spreading their paychecks out over the year in order to cover their bills. When there's so many misconceptions in the public about how the teaching profession works and how much time teachers put in of their own time because they care about the kids that they're trying to teach. When there's so many people who don't understand that, if we see the employer side or the government side come out and say, hey, you know what? We tried to give the teachers a raise. They didn't want it. Don't know why. That further vilifies teachers at a time where we've seen reports we did uh, a, a little while ago we did a series of posts where we received messages from teachers and they were talking about how difficult the environment has been for them and we heard granted yes anecdotal stories from a lot of teachers 
who are talking about looking for ways to get out of the profession. And they're talking about how they're seeing the next generation of teachers already saying, holy hell, this is not what I thought it was going to be. This is not what I want to do with my life. There is a serious crisis that's going on in our education system that is largely based on what we're seeing in this contract going unaddressed. And this is where having the, as best we can, having the informed conversations about what's actually going on gets to be so important. Because make no mistake, while there are the anecdotal one-off stories about the, and again, air quotes, bad teachers or teachers who aren't giving, what so many other teachers do, that doesn't mean that the vast majority of teachers aren't giving their all and then more to the point of breaking. And all you have to do is go back and look at those posts. We had something like 50 plus stories from teachers where they were talking about how they've been giving and giving and giving and they just don't have anything left. And if the government does pursue, if teachers do decide that they're going to continue to advocate for kids, that they're going to put their own well-being at risk. And again, to be clear, there's no judgment from any of us here in regards to how any teachers vote. None of us are teachers, and it's a terrible, terrible situation that they've been put in. So whatever any individual teacher decides, it's a garbage choice, and it sucks that they were put in the position where they had to make it. So we're not going to dunk on any teachers for voting one way or the other. But the fact that the government has refused to make the learning conditions in classrooms an important part of this contract negotiation, the, that's a problem. So making sure, whatever the results of the vote are, that we continue the conversation around education and around the teacher situation is really important because one thing's for absolutely certain, no matter how this contract vote goes, it's not going to solve the problems that teachers are experiencing in the classrooms. It's certainly not going to solve the classroom size problems. It's certainly not going to put them in a position one way or the other where they're going to be able to contribute to the economy in the same way that they did 12 years ago. That's certainly not going to help our economic recovery as a province. It's certainly not going to address all of the underlying issues that are causing teachers to burn out day after day after day. And if the government, if the employers decide that they want to try to vilify teachers because teachers chose not to accept this small raise and instead chose to try to demand better for the kids in Alberta, which represent the future of our province, if the government chooses to vilify teachers for that, then it's the responsibility of everybody who's paying any kind of attention, anybody who's listening to this right now, to make sure that they say, whoa, now, that's not what happened. That's not what's going on. And ask the question, why don't you have teachers' backs? Why don't you have kids' backs? Why don't you have the backs of the economic future of this province? Why do you want kids to go to classrooms where they're jammed in like sardines? 
Why do you want Alberta's future to be learning in substandard learning conditions? We've already seen with this new curriculum that places in Canada that, that have previously said, Alberta has the best curriculum, we're going to use it. Those territories have said, um, well, that was, we, we really like the old curriculum, this new thing that you've got going on. We're going to go, we're going to hang out with some of the other provinces because this is, wow, we don't want anything to do with this. And that's telling. And it's something that we should all be paying attention to. That's pretty much all that we had to say about the, the teacher situation tonight. Uh, we wanted to try to clarify the things that we've been told and make sure that people had the opportunity to, to raise their hands. So if anybody has anything that they want to add, one thing that I want to be really, really clear on before we sort of open up the floor here, if anybody does want to say anything, it's been made very clear to us that teachers are not allowed to speak publicly on this. So if you if if we've gotten something wrong tonight and you're a, a teacher or you're a member of the Teachers Employers Bargaining Association TIBA thing uh, and you think that we've really done something badly here, just raise your little hand with a microphone. You don't have to give us your name. You don't have to say who you are. You don't have to say who you're affiliated with. If we got it wrong, tell us that we got it wrong so that we can own that and make sure that we're providing the best information possible. And um, if not, then that's okay too. And here we go. We do have a hand up, so not gonna not gonna say any names here. But um, the, there's only one speaker other than than us right now. So uh, if you've got something to to add to the conversation, you should your your microphone should be good to go. You don't have to say your name. What do you got to say? There we go. Fantastic. Okay, I uh, caught a CBC article earlier today that was quoted by Jason Markusoff uh, that suggests in the coming year-ish, rather than the, what was it, $24 billion deficit that we were staring down last year, we are anticipating a $24 billion surplus. And things yes. like that need to be brought to the table when it comes to this bargaining you couldn't be more right. I couldn't agree with you more because that's one of the things that, you know, we've seen Mr. Kenny and his cabinet taking victory laps on ever since they passed their by luck balanced budget. Yeah. Uh, and they are projecting a surplus right now. So if we've got all this extra cash flow, why isn't that a part? That's a really good point. Why isn't that a part of the conversation? 100%. Thank you for adding that in. And that's thank exactly. Yep. Thank you for the space. Appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so again, no names, but thank you so much for raising that point because it does raise a very good point. The reality is we have a provincial government and we have a bunch of leadership candidates, no less. We're seeing more and more people throwing their, ha their hats into the ring for the UCP leadership race. And they're all doing a great job for those of them that are in government or, uh, in cabinet. They're all doing a great job of talking about, well, you know, we're the first government to do a balanced budget in a while now. So we're, we're pretty awesome. Plus we're going to have a surplus. It's incumbent to make sure whatever the results of the vote are, it's incumbent for anybody who cares about the future of this province to make sure that part of the conversation that these leadership candidates have to have is what are you going to do for education? What are you going to do for classroom sizes? What are you going to do for what are you going to do for teachers? Well, and they take that victory lap on the backs of public servants and, of course, fail to mention that because, of course, that makes them look bad. Yeah. 
exactly. Because again, while they're talking about, and this this actually highlight dovetails quite nicely into the 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 reference about the healthcare workers. They came to the table with massive cuts to a lot of different healthcare professions. While we have this balanced budget, while we're looking at this tremendous surplus, so if things are good, if the their fiscal responsibility is so strong that they've been able to get this surplus, there's no greater investment than in healthcare and education. Well, and then too, it, I'm not sure if I find the right words, but it, there's no incentive to have a balanced budget or even a surplus if the rest of Alberta isn't going to be able to bask in and take advantage of that money. Well, exactly. There's lots of people that could balance their budget if they didn't eat. 100%. <laughs> you know, when you start to cut out the necessities, it gets really easy to go, ah, you know, we're, we're making ends meet here. But we're, if you're not getting the necessities, you're not getting the necessities. And anybody who tells you that education and healthcare aren't necessities, well, I just tell them to look at the last couple of years. And then they keep talking about how, you know, we're going to drop the corporate tax rate and all these companies are going to want to move their people to Alberta where they pay less corporate tax. And yet companies and their employees aren't going to want to come here if there's no public services that they can turn to for their families. You're absolutely right. We've seen lots of uh, reporting and stories about the companies that have moved to Alberta and the things that they've been citing are not the corporate tax rate. They're citing the amenities. They're citing what used to be um, a, a really strong healthcare system, a really strong uh, education system. They're, they're citing the opportunities in tech. Um, those are all things that require investment in order to stay cutting edge. I mean, Alberta used to be a province of uh, cutting edge development for healthcare and for education. Like I said, our our curriculum in Alberta, as much as there's people who like to deride it, our curriculum in Alberta was so good that other territories used it. That speaks to the quality of things that we had going on. And unfortunately, I think you're absolutely right. One of the things that we've sacrificed in getting that balanced budget which, again, let's be honest, we got lucky with oil. I don't know why Albertans have such a hard time admitting this. And I've said that I've lived in this province my entire life. Um, we got lucky with oil again. Uh, why we're allowing these essential services like healthcare and education to be decimated is embarrassing. It's the whole cutting your nose off to spite your face situation, right? Like they, again, you know, take the victory lap, but refuse to acknowledge what it cost literally and figuratively to get there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add? Is there anybody else who wants to, to raise their hand? I could do this all day, but thank you again <laughs> so much for putting this together. I'm, I'm educated as a teacher, have been home for years with my kids, so I'm kind of on the sidelines, but this is something I'm super passionate about. So super appreciate what you're doing tonight to educate everybody as to what's at stake. So thanks again. Oh, no, it's, it's our pleasure. And really, if the thanks go anywhere, they should go to the, the people uh, who, who reached out to us to say, there needs to be some some clarification of some things, um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pass those things right along. Um, doesn't look like there's anybody else who wants to raise their hand. So again, I want to say thank you to everybody who took the time to listen, um, and I would really encourage you, whatever the results of the vote are this weekend, please make sure that. As we go forward as a province, when people are talking about teachers, 
that we're having conversations about what teachers are actually doing and what they're actually advocating for. And if people are taking a dunk on teachers because they got this paltry ways, raise, sorry, make sure that you put it in context. Time to clear the room. As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at The Breakdown, we would ask you to consider to be one of our Patreon supporters at www.patreon.com slash thebreakdownab. And just on that moment, somebody really didn't want me to do the plug because we have another hand raised. So I'm going to go ahead and add them in if they still want to. It looks like they might have dropped off. Give it a quick little sec here. And we're going to have another speaker here and I'll do my... <laughs> my patreon plug a little bit later how are you doing tonight good thanks sorry my apologies um like i i'm new to twitterverse and these uh forums how do we get copies of the recording out to others there's gonna be two ways to do it and and this is good for anybody who uh is is new to these things as well um first of all this is a recorded space which is one of the reasons why i wanted to make it absolutely clear nobody has to give their names um but this is a recorded space so when it's done there will be a link that's generated that if you want to share it to people on twitter um you can just share that link but also we always put all of our twitter spaces up uh, as podcasts and so we'll be sharing the link for the audio podcast version of this uh, as soon as, well, probably in an hour and a half, um, as soon as we can get it up. Uh, it'll for sure be available tomorrow morning. And then you can just share that podcast with anyone uh, as you like. Amazing. And thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you for asking that question. Because in my experience, if one person asks a question, there's usually a bunch of other people who are a little bit nervous to ask it. Um, I'll throw it out to the room one more time. If there's any other questions, any other clarification, anyone want to tell anyone want to tell us how wrong we got things? Otherwise, please consider signing up to be one of our Patreon supporters. www.patreon.com/slash/thebreakdownab. Um, as always, big thank you to everybody who supports us through there. But we also recognize not everybody can. So big thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast, who takes part in the Twitter Spaces um, over the next little while. I mean, this is a three-episode week for us. It's been a little out of control, so we're gonna we're gonna, God willing, pause until our regular Sunday Twitter Spaces. Hope to see a bunch of you folks out there for that as well. Um, take care of yourselves and keep the conversation going. Thanks, everyone.